Hey, Stephanie Goss, you got a second to talk about guardian vets? Yeah, what do you want to talk about? Man, I uh, I hear from people all the time that are overwhelmed because the phones never stop ringing. Um, yes. And I'm sure you, you hear from these people as well. You know, like our caseload is blowing up and the doctors are busy and uh, the phones just don't stop. They never stop. <laughs> <laughs> that is a true story. I'm amazed by how uh, how few veterinarians know about Guardian Vet. This is a service where you have uh, registered technicians uh, who can jump in virtually and help you on the phones. You can flip the switch and uh, Guardian Vets can jump in and take some of the load off the front desk and they can handle your clients and get them booked for your appointments and give them support. And it really is a godsend. Pre-pandemic, it was amazing to me how many people hadn't heard about it for after hours call help. But at this point, I can't believe how many people don't realize that they are offering help during the daytime as well, which I would think right now is a huge benefit to practices because everybody is shorthanded. Everybody is drowning in phone calls. And so we talk about it. We've talked about Guardian Vets a lot on the podcast. And every time we do, we always get somebody who says, what is that? Guys, if you're not familiar with Guardian Vets, if you think that you could use some help on the uh, on the phones or up at the front desk, check them out. It's guardianvets.com. And uh, if you mention our podcast, me and Stephanie Goss, uh, you get a month free. So check it out, guardianvets.com. Hey, everybody. I'm Dr. Andy Rourke, and this is the Uncharted Podcast. Man, it's been a while since I got to do that. Uh, welcome, welcome, everybody. Uh, I am here with Maria Parita today. We are breaking down how to coach the spicy tenured team member. What do you do when you've got somebody who's been on the team for some time? They may be a shift lead, a team lead, a department lead, and um, they're just not performing. Maybe they're not uh, doing menial tasks. They're not cleaning cages or cleaning up the surgery suite because they think it's beneath them. Maybe they're just grumbling. Maybe they're sort of snapping at people. Maybe they're not treating people in a way that that person feels respected or they're um, kind of throwing their weight around a little bit. What do you do? How do you talk to that person? That's what this episode is all about. Guys, let's get into it. And now, the Uncharted Podcast. And we are back. It's me, Dr. Andy Rourke, and the one and only Maria Parita. Hello, my friend. Hello. How are you doing? Man, I am so good. How are you doing? I am so good. We just got into Chicago, and we beat the blizzard, so I'm feeling great. Like you like raced to your little den yeah. and lit your fire, and then the snow came down outside, and now you're yeah. I literally got hot cocoa, so now I'm just gonna make my hot cocoa and watch the snow fall. <laughs> you you are who I aspire to be at Christmas time. Like <laughs> you, you just we did a workshop together, you and I, and it's like uh, yeah. it's like fifty doctors, <laughs> and I we couldn't get anything done because Maria has a Christmas tree that rotates, and it was behind her. And so everyone was watching her Christmas tree just rotate. And there was like every three minutes, someone would notice it and the chat would just blow up with, I know. And so you you do Christmas really, really I, well, I have to say. I love Christmas. I have always loved everything about Christmas. My birthday's 10 days before Christmas. So I don't know if it's a mixture of, of both of them going together or the fact that my family always did it so big. Uh, that that rotating base is actually was a recommendation for my sister a long time ago. And then 
one time my base actually broke and I needed to go to get one. And all they had was the rotating one. So I had to get it. And it turned out to be a great purchase until we did the workshop. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> shut it down. we couldn't get through the workshop the whole, because everybody wanted to hear yeah, about the, the rotating thing. base. Uh, it's available. It's a real the whole thing. thing ground to a halt. <laughs> yeah. When this episode comes out, it'll be New Year. You're a big New Year person too. Yeah, like you go, I love. You go all New in Year's. for like Man, twenty days. It's yeah. uh, it's a it's a lot of fun. I prepare a lot for New Year's. My husband and I have a great tradition uh, where we make uh, surf and turf steak and lobster dinner, and we write out goals and like aspirations for the new year. And uh, we light a fire, and then once midnight hits, we celebrate with all of these. Uh, Latin traditions, which are, are kind of crazy and out there, but I absolutely love all of them. Some of them, a lot of people know about, like you wear red underwear if you want love in the new year, or you wear like yellow underwear if you want money. Um, you can put lentils in your, in your wallet and that represents that you're going to spend your money well in the new year and all these crazy things. Uh, but we end up putting, we do all of them. So we put like 12 grapes in our, <laughs> in, our in our, in our, pairs of underwear. Yeah, all at once. <laughs> You got to want all of them. You got to wear all the underwear. We put like 12 grapes in our pockets and you make a wish with each one. But my favorite one is that at midnight, you take your suitcase and you walk around the the block with your suitcase. And that represents that you're going to have like, you're going to travel a lot in the new year. And last year was actually the first year that we did that. And I will say that this past year, we went to Paris and Rome and I got to Greenville for the conference and we went to Indianapolis for work too. So, I mean, I would say that it worked. So if you're trying to travel in the new year at midnight, grab your suitcase, go walk around the block with your suitcase and uh, you'll probably travel. That's all I'm saying. Unless it was just a fluke. I think some people can just stop the podcast right now. Yeah. They're like, I got what I needed for this is, yep. Unless this comes out after New Year's, then it, it'll yeah. have to be the next yeah, year. Like, <laughs> Gonna have to put it on the calendar. Yeah. Oh, man. So uh, for those who don't know you, you are a newly minted CVPM. Yeah, Congratulations you. on your new certification. Uh, you work with us over at Uncharted. You're doing more and more of the lecturing and the lifting and uh, I've been so happy working with you and um, oh, I just you. enjoy the heck out of you. And so anyway, I want to talk to you about what we got. Uh, what we got. It wasn't the mailbag. We got it at a, at a conference. Do you want to go ahead and break down what we're looking at? Yeah, actually, uh, we so we were at a conference in Indianapolis and this amazing practice manager, if you're listening, you're amazing. Uh, but she was telling us about a challenge that she's having. And it's essentially that she has this tenured team member who's a little spicy, we'll say. Um, she has been with the clinic for a really, really long time. Great skills. However, lately she's been doing things like she's been uh, not wanting to clean up after surgery because she thinks it might be beneath her um, or she's just been a little bit spicier in the way that she talks to people. And what was crazy is we started talking about it and it turns out a lot of people were struggling with this challenge. And that's when we thought, you know, this would actually make a great podcast episode because there are definitely things that can be done. And I've certainly been there. Have you been there? Uh, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, yeah, totally. I think we all work. We all work. I like yeah. I like the term here for spicy. This is one of the things I, I think that you do really well. It's like, that's, that's your word. And I think it's a healthy way to look at it and say, oh, well, this person's a bit spicy. It's not that they're not aggressive or angry. But, you know, once we frame them that way, it kind of they take on sort of a villainous personality. And you, you say, well, they're spicy. And I go, I like that. I can work with spicy. Sometimes spice is okay. Um, yeah. 
And so I, I like that you frame it that way. It also sort of brings across a lot of times what the what the behavior, what the attitude sort of is. And so I just want to start up, up front and say, I like how you frame this question. And by making this person, framing them as spicy, I think you're already opening up a lot of good doors for us to get things done. I don't want to be told that I'm aggressive. I don't want to be told that I'm a bully. I don't want to be told that I'm hard to work with. But if you tell me I'm being a bit spicy today, I'm, I'm not going to take that particularly hard. I, I think, you know, uh, language matters and how we, how we frame things matters. Yeah. And so I, I just, I like how you set that up. Just, just open up. Thanks. So yeah, yeah. I have a lot of ideas on this. I love the term spicy too, because, um, well, I think we started using it in clinic because when we became fear free, that was one of the big things, uh, that they, they taught you is, you know, try to stop using the word aggressive or mean when you're talking about patient because they're not, they're just fearful, um, stressed or anxious. And so changing your mindset there, but so we adopted it and we started using it a lot. And one of my favorite things to say people to people would be, Ooh, that came out a little spicy. How can we add some sour cream? And it kind of became a hit because it'd be like, okay, you know, it's not that you are a mean person. It is totally that it just came out spicy. And sometimes we all wake up a little spicy and that's okay. Just got to, you know, dull it down with some, some sour cream. That's it. Yeah. I, I like that. I mean, I think that's part of building a good culture, right? Is setting it up where yeah. we can give each other feedback. That's not catastrophic or devastating. That doesn't strike at like who you are as a person, but like, yeah, you know, this is, it's a little thing. I always say, um, you know, one of the real tricks to giving people feedback is lowering the stakes, right? Trying to make it so it's not a big deal for me to say, hey, when you said this, it, it had this impact that you didn't really anticipate. You know, uh, I need you to do that differently. Um, how, do, how do I make that not a big deal? Like, hey, I know you know this, but, you know, whenever you say something that, that starts with, hey, you, people people get real defensive real fast. And I just want to make sure you get heard. And so let, let's, let's do that differently next time. All right. Thanks, Ben. And just try to make it so it doesn't matter. And I think a lot of times we don't say anything when it doesn't matter. And then we wait yeah. until it does matter. And then we have this high stakes conversation. And so anyway, just anything that just takes the edge off. And it's just like, hey, man, this is okay. We're just gonna, we're just gonna break it down a couple of notches. But also I need yeah. you to do this differently for me. Thanks, man. Um, I just, I think that that's just good, good feedback coaching headspace. So speaking of yeah, headspace, absolutely. let's get into headspace here. All right, yeah. cool. Mm-hmm. So first we start talking about this. Um, I want to, I want to point something out in the, in the, in the question itself, right? And so one of the examples was, Hey, this person's not cleaning up after surgery, things like that. She, she acts like maybe this is beneath her. I would say, does she say that it's beneath her or does, is that the assumption that I as the manager am making about her, right? Absolutely. Because one of the first things we want to try to do is assume, assume noble intent, assume good intent. Like, I don't want to be like, Oh, she didn't do it that clearly means that she thinks she's better than this. Like, I don't know what it means. I don't know why she's not doing it. And neither do you. And so until we ask her, hey, I saw this thing is not, it didn't happen. Um, it seems like it's starting to become a pattern. What, what's going on? What's the story? Like that's, that's straight up. That's, those are exact words I would use. Hey, I see this. It seems like it's starting to become a pattern. What's, what's going on? Just what's, what's the story here? And then I'm going to shut up and I'm going to let her tell me, but I don't want to try to assume what her intentions are. And she might be like, that's not my job. And now I go, okay, <laughs> okay, I get that. Uh, at least I understand now like that she does not believe this is her job. That's not an assumption. That's what she told me. And then we can start to work on that. So um, yeah, I think we start off, um, assume good intent. You know, it's our safe headspace, right? Can I sit yeah. next to this person? Can I smile at them? Don't give them the feedback when you're triggered, right? Just it, let it go for a day. The key is put it on your calendar. If you're triggered, you're like, I can't talk to this person right now. 
if you're me, I can't talk, talk to this person right now. And then tomorrow it's not going to seem like that big a deal. And I really don't like conflict. And so I'm not going to do it tomorrow. And then after that, I'm going to, it's going to disappear. It's not going to happen. And then we're going to do this again. So put it on the calendar. Be like, all right, I'm going to talk to this person on, if I haven't talked to them by Thursday morning, we're going to talk on Thursday morning. But can you sit next to them? Can you smile? Are you assuming good intent? Have they been set up to fail? If she thinks this is not her job and it is her job, that's on me because I didn't yeah. communicate to her. This is your job. And so like, I, maybe she's been set up to fail. Maybe, maybe our job descriptions are not what they should be. Maybe she didn't review her job description. Maybe she didn't sign her job description. You know, maybe it hasn't, maybe she hasn't gotten an evaluation on performance reviewing her job uh, description. I, whatever, like, maybe she's been set up to fail. And the last thing is the end result. Like, what do I want? And this is just a big thing of like, look, I don't want her to apologize for not cleaning up the surgery suite. I don't care. I just want her to clean it up next time or do what she's supposed to do or come to an agreement with the other techs so that it gets done. But basically, I want it to get done. I want everybody to feel like they're being treated fairly. That's what that's what I want. And so that's the end result I'm working towards. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, you know, one thing that I think is really important in that is when when you're seeking to understand is that sometimes it could be so many other things as far as why a person is spicy. So it really is important to ask that question, like, how did this person even get here in the first place? And so having that discussion, you might find out this person might be frustrated from, you know, other other things happening in the clinic. Perhaps, you know, she she may need some change here or there. If she's a registered veterinary technician and she thinks maybe, you know, she should be doing more as a registered tech. I mean, how many of us have credentialed technicians that we're not utilizing to their fullest potential uh, or treating them like assistants? And so the only way you're really going to figure out how this person got here is by having that conversation. And 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 like you said, seeking to understand. Yeah, sometimes these people get set up to get caught. Sometimes they're just not as savvy as the people who are really doing the dirty stuff. It's like, uh, it's like with my, uh, I hate to compare it to my kids, but it was like with my kids. My older one could just tweak my younger child so that my younger child would go off. And then, and then everyone would look at the younger child. And it didn't take long as a parent before you realize you're like, okay, hey, older kid, I know that you're the one who caused this problem. And you, you put, our younger kid in a position where they're going to get in trouble. And sometimes that happens with the staff where the person who gets mad is not the person at fault. They're the person who's reacting and they're probably not reacting appropriately or else they would have done this another way. But sometimes they're reacting inappropriately to something that's not fair or to something else where somebody else has kind of screwed them over. And like that, again, that's why you just got to, you got to ask the question. The other thing is they specifically said, this is a tenured person. And so there's a couple mm-hmm. different types of, of problems that come up with tenured staff that are less likely to come up with younger staff. This is broad generalities, but to me, the term tenured, it matters. And there's certain types of behaviors that we get. It's often, they're kind of power play sort of behaviors of that's not my job, that's someone else's job. So there's some of that sort of stuff. But the other thing is, when you have tenured staff members and they're having sort of pattern of behavior, they didn't get that way overnight, right? It's not like you hired this person and then you were surprised that they acted this way. They've been around for a long time. So mm-hmm. my question is, what has changed? Has this been a slow, steady creep? Or is this something where there's something going on that has changed their changed their behavior? The other thing is, if they're tenured, they've conceivably had a history of being successful in your practice. And I think that that's something that we can lean on. So we talk about headspace, we go, well, this person's been here a long time. Why is this becoming an issue now? And again, 
I do find it's helpful for me when I can assume responsibility and say, well, I, you know, she's been, I've been her boss for, for some time. And, uh, this creep has kind of happened on my watch and I haven't corrected it. So, uh, you know, I, I got to look at myself and say, well, what, where did I miss a trick? And that's just a healthy headspace to get into to make you really effective when you go and talk to the person. So that, that's kind of it too. I, I ask my question, myself questions a lot about burnout and fatigue. Oh, yeah. When I have people who are tenured, they've been doing this a long time. Is this person burned out? Are they just kind of done? Is this just a, a general like, not about work, it's just about life or, or things like that? Is there something else going on with them? You know, I, those are those are all things I'm sort of looking looking for and trying to figure out like, again, what is the underlying thing? Is it just straight up, I don't want to clean up the surgery suite? Or is it, I'm tired, I don't see a future for myself here, I don't feel like I'm appreciated, I don't feel like I'm respected. Those things matter, right? And I'm not saying the person is right, and we may disagree. Sometimes people say, I don't feel appreciated. And sometimes that's valid. And sometimes it's not. And usually the truth is kind of somewhere in the middle where they should be appreciated for some things that they do. And there's some other things that maybe they don't do that they should do. But you know, like, the, the, it's, it's always a mixed bag. It's always shades of gray with people. But I just I'm just trying to get down into their into their psyche of like, where, where are they coming from? And, and what's the real issue? Yeah. And I think sometimes as practice managers, too, uh, we we put in ourselves we're put ourselves in this position where we think oh this person has great skills they've been here a really long time you know I'm afraid of losing them so then we we fail to have some of the conversations that we should have so another question that I would ask myself is how often has she gotten away with this without us discussing it over and over again to the point where she thinks that this is now yeah. how it should be or in some cases they try to you know push button not push buttons that's a bad way of saying it but they try to see what they can get away with because they themselves know they're highly tech uh tech skills they yeah. they know that they they have the ability to draw blood and drop catheters and they can be in surgery and they can do all of these great things so there is there is something as as a practice manager you have to ask yourself like did how often has this been happening did i did this cr- become a pattern and i didn't say it so now it has become the norm and and getting into yeah. that space uh mentally before you have these conversations yeah i i agree with that and and i think i think the other thing we want to think about with a tenured team member is is where do they want to go and what do they want to see in the future? And a lot of times I feel like these these sort of spicy team member, tenure team member things, they, they kind of come from a place from where this person sort of topped out and they don't yeah. really know where they want to go in the future or what they're going to do or what's going to be different. So they're kind of like, I'm the head surgery tech and I, I don't want to be the practice manager or there's not there's already a practice manager and there's not space for me. And so here I kind of am, but I'm kind of tired of this, but I don't really know where I want to go. And so I'm just kind of generally, I'm at a loss for wh- who I am and where I'm going. And, and, I, and I think that this starts to really unlock the key for me with dealing with tenured, uh, sort of more senior people. This person has climbed up to a place where, let's say, their career path may be a bit hazy in the future, or they sort of topped out in kind of what they can do. And if they're burning out because of that, if they're bored because of that, if they're kind of just like, you know, I'm not, I don't see myself in the future. So I'm just, you know, kind of going to do what I'm going to do what I want to do right now. That's a that's a vision problem, right? It's a motivation problem. It's a it's a vision problem. Yeah. And so again, it starts with trying to figure out where's this person coming from. What's driving this? Is it that they don't know where they're going? And, and you can ask those sorts of questions, like, 
you know, where do you want to go in the next year? We just did with our team. Um, I, you know, yeah. Maria and I were talking and, and the team was there, but I was basically like, what's your development goal for 2023? Like, what do you want to be? What do you want to learn? You know, what, how do you want to grow? And you can do that professionally. Uh, I want them to do it professionally, but, but also personally. And so just like Maria's walking around the block with her suitcase because she wants to travel, <laughs> I, I want to know where people want to go. And it's not something yeah. holding people to, but I ask people that. And now's a great time to say, hey, it's the new year. Where do you, where you want to go in the next year? Like, how do you want to grow? How do you want to develop? And ask them. And then when they say that, Try to figure out how to get them there, how to keep growing. There's a lot more latitudes for people to grow in vet medicine than we than we give credence to. For example, we're like, we have a vet assistants and we have vet techs and then we have lead vet techs and that's the end of the story. And I'm like, no, it's not. There's like, there's so many different subjects that we can expand to. There's so much expertise. There's credentialing, advanced credentialing. There's um, technician specialists. There's, um, you know, there's management credits. There's there's leadership uh opportunities there's communication things there's there's um there's workshops there's skill workshops there's all these things that they can they can do i mean you can spend years getting great at dentistry Mm -hmm. and then just roll off of that into anesthesia and roll off of that into pain management and into low stress handling into fear free and you can work your whole career learning and growing and learning and growing but if you think your whole path is assistant vet tech head vet tech that's it that's just, that's a very short, stunted path that leads to a lot of frustration. And so one of the big things is, where do these people want to go? And can they see themselves in the future being developed? And do they feel like they're moving towards something greater? And if you can't make them see that, a lot of times you can't coach them very well. And so anyway, when we start thinking about senior people, do they see the vision for the future? Do they see where they can go? Do they see how they can grow? Are they engaged with that vision? And if the answer is no, then from a headspace standpoint, I need to figure that out because this person is going to be consistently hard to manage and they're going to be consistently hard to motivate if I can't make them see a future where they are, where they are better and more developed than they are right now. Yeah, Andy, and I'm so glad you said that because it actually reminds me of a spicy team member who I had uh, when I was a practice manager. And she was amazing. I mean, she had amazing skills, the kind that you can always trust to hit the vein or drop the catheter. And, uh, but she did have a bit of a spiciness around, especially around new people. It seemed like she would get frustrated during the training. So it was, it was kind of one okay. of those situations where I looked at her and I was like, man, she's, she could go so far. Uh, we just have to work on that one thing. So I remember sitting down with her and having this discussion and, and we started on, on that and on that topic is development. You know, um, I asked her, you know, where, where do you see yourself? Uh, you know, and she said, actually, I have been thinking about that a lot. And I think, uh, she was a veterinary assistant at the time. She's like, I think I want to go into CBT school. And I also think that the treatment manager position looks really great. Uh, treatment manager was taking care of the hospitalized patients, right? And yeah. so I was like, okay, that sounds awesome. Yeah, like that. those are definitely areas we could talk about going. Um, and as we were ta- discussing the treatment manager role, we got into discussing training. And so it was a perfect opportunity for me to talk to her about, well, you know, I've noticed you can get a little spicy around new people. And so 
if we want to go down that path, there's there's things that we should work on there, but that's that's totally normal. We can work on those things. There are tons of leadership, uh, you know, webinars that we can talk about, books, and bottom line, nobody became a leader, you know, overnight. And so this is this mm-hmm. is great that this is the route you want to go in. And so she said, I, you know, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> um, the issue is that I never notice when I'm doing it until it's too late. And I said, <sighs> I. I get that. I was, I grew up around siblings, you know, so I have a sassiness to me. Andy, I'm sure you've seen it at conferences and whatnot, (laughs) that it can happen to anyone, right? (laughs) Um, So I... You have, you have more than a sassiness to you, (laughs) just, just for people who don't know. Um, I, uh, you're, you, you have this, you have amazing sass. I'm going to stop you right here because this is important. We, Marie and I were having dinner and we were at Tupelo Honey Restaurant and she was like... (laughs) She was looking at her straw and she was like, I think the straw is made of honey. And I was like, I don't think that's a thing. Uh, and she was like, no, I'm pretty sure this is an organic straw made of honey. And I looked and there was another straw on the table and it had the wrapper on it and I picked it up and it said, and I read it out loud. I was like, made from 100% pure agave. And Marie goes, who's laughing now? <laughs> and just... <laughs> It still wasn't honey, guys. But you were like, it's organic, it counts. Who's laughing now? Close enough. And it was was close enough. And I will say, I learned a couple days later, there's a store that sells honey products in Greenville. I looked in there, I was like, do you have straws? And they were like, yes, we do. I was like, oh, (laughs) she could have been right. Uh, But then I thought, Um, and they were like, yes, we do. I was like, who's laughing now? Who's so laughing anyway, now? It's it's not like <laughs> it's not a little bit of sass. Like it's pretty defining characteristic. I I I love it. But let's uh, not downplay it. <laughs> so that's exactly what I was talking about. When I was talking to her about it, I said, Yeah, I have sass too. <laughs> like, you know, it's a matter of, of where to use it. I mean, we were out at dinner in this example. Uh, right. So we're uh that's when my sass comes out. It's because I'm not working. I, I'm I've got it, but it's also Obviously, I didn't talk to her about that because that hadn't happened yet. But when I was talking to this team member, I basically told her it happens. You know, it happens to all of us. It happens to me. And so I asked her, you know, what's a good system that you think would work for us to to help, you know, to help you in, in this journey? And she said, well, actually, if you could just point it out when you see it, like if there, there could be a signal. And I said, yeah, absolutely. So we decided that I would give her this eye contact and make the P sign. Eventually, I didn't even need to make this P sign with my hands. Um, the the two, the number two, kind of looks like a two. Uh, but I I got to the point where I didn't even have to. I would just look over when I when I heard it, and she would. You could hear her going back in herself and her the way she was talking, and and kind of try to formulate it a different way, and that helped a lot. Um, and we also talked about leadership as a whole and what kind of resources were available to her and giving her the time to do some of those and some recommendations on on books. And I still remember she came to me so excited one time. She's like, hey, I spent this weekend reading this book that you recommended. I think it, it you know, it really helped me a lot. And I will say that um, there was a noticeable improvement in her because she was striving towards, towards this goal of becoming um, a manager and a leader because she had obviously, she had great assistant skills. She had done so much there that she was ready to move up to that next level and putting in not only giving her the resources, but also, you know, acknowledging that there was this area that we could work on helped 
tremendously to this day. She's still going strong in her position as treatment manager and she's going to school still for her CBT and she, she's loving it. And it's just, it's definitely something that I love seeing in people because you, they got to have that strive, you know, to, to want that. And she had it and she did it and big props to her. I hope she, I hope she listens to this uh, episode one day. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's, that's, uh, I love that story. And that is, it's awesome. And I want, I want to break it down step by second into the actions. So let's, let's pause for a second here. Let's take a break and then we'll come back. And I want to run back through that story and just tell you what I love about it, because that's going to, I think we should use that story to frame action steps because that's, that's, that's textbook. That's how you do it. You crush it. Hey guys, I just want to hop in really quick and give a quick plug. The Uncharted Veterinary Conference is coming in April. Guys, I founded the Uncharted Veterinary Conference in 2017. It is a one-of-a-kind conference. It is all about business. It is about internal communications, working effectively inside your practice if you're a leader. That means you can be a medical director. It means you can be an associate vet who really wants to work well with your technicians. It means you can be a head technician, a head CSR. You can be a practice owner, practice manager, multi-site manager multi-site uh, medical director. We work with a lot of those people. This is all about building systems, setting expectations to work effectively with your people. Guys, Uncharted is a peer mentorship conference. That means that we come together and there is a lot of discussion. We create a significant percentage of the uh, schedule, the agenda at the event, which means we're going to talk about the things that you are interested in. Uh, it is, always, as I said, business communication focused, but uh, lots of freedom inside that to make sure that you get to talk about what you want to talk about. We really prioritize people being able to have one-on-one -on -one conversations, to pick people's brains, to get advice from people who have wrestled with the problems that they are currently wrestled with. We make all that stuff happen. If you want to come to a conference where you do not sit and get lectured at, but you work on your own practice, your own challenges, your own growth and development. That's what Uncharted is. Take a chance. Give us, uh, give us a look. Come and check it out. It is in April. I'll put a link in the show notes for registration. Um, ask anybody who's been. It's something special. All right, let's get back into this episode. Okay, let's get back into this. So you just told the story. I love it. Um, I want to break down some things that I see in the story when you were talking about coaching this person. Number one, the, the first thing you did, which is absolutely amazing and love it, is you framed your feedback not as corrective, not as like, hey, you really screwed this up and we need to go through and look at what you did and you need to apologize. You know, it wasn't yeah. corrective feedback. It wasn't, I want you to own your mistake. You 100% were like, where do you want to go? And you got a picture of where she was going and then you framed your feedback as developmental feedback. This is how we want to get there. And so, especially with your ten tenured team members, if they've been around a long time, if they're if they're a shift lead, um, a department lead, stuff like that, they they may not take just straight up, "Hey, you messed this up." Feedback very well. Like they can feel like they're being taken down a peg. I really, really dislike that. Those people tend to respond better in my experience to developmental feedback of, I see you, I see your skills. I want to talk about how we're going to grow you and where you go from here. And these are the changes you're going to need to make to get there. And so I think that was just a textbook lesson in how you give developmental feedback and figure out what people care about. The one thing that, that the tech had going for her, which I think is really, really important, is just some self-awareness. When she's like, yeah, I do that. That's, you know, my thing is I just, I don't, I don't realize it until it's over. I go, man, self-awareness is an under, uh, or underutilized, underappreciated, you know, characteristic for people to have. And then the last thing is you, you talk to her, 
you came up with a plan about how you're going to help her. And then you were there to catch her in the moment, right? Like you, like I'll yeah. give you the sign, but you, but you were there to, to give her, give her the feedback. And when you're like, I didn't have to give the, the sign anymore. Probably just the fact that you were there was enough for her to be like, you, you are a sign of, oh yeah, I'm trying to do my best or I'm trying to do better. So I don't know. When I lay that down, do you agree with that? Or are there other pieces to it that, that you think should be called out? Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree with all of that. Um, I think it's interesting I would talk about the sign um, and just being there because I think we forget that sometimes with sass or with spiciness, uh, coming from an expert in it, uh, it does take <laughs> habit. <laughs> it's a habit, you know? Um, it is a habit. Yeah. It, it is a habit. You have to break a habit in order to... to to be a better leader. And it's something that obviously, you know, being a leader myself, I I had, we had to get over that, but it's going to take time to break a habit. And so the other part to that is being able to give them the time to do that, but also the follow-up, you know, when we're talking about in in this talk, in this example, following up later on within the 30, 60, 90 day mark, whatever you, you decide to do on and giving them feedback that they're, you know, I see you, working on this and it's going great. Um, keep up the good work or, you know, saying, making sure that we're still, we don't just talk about it once and then forgetting about it, but also going back, giving that feedback, um, and talking about it again later on. Yeah. How do you get, how do you get tenured team members to tell you what their goals are when they don't know what their goals are? So let me, let me ask you that. That's a really good question because I, it's hard. It is hard. Um, it's hard. And sometimes they, uh, they need time to think about it themselves too, because they haven't sat down. It's, they haven't sat down and thought about it themselves to say, this is exactly where I want to go. And a lot of times they don't even know of the possibilities that are out there. I mean, you said it yourself, you know, we put them in veterinary assistant, certified tech practice manager. Um, and, and there's, there's all these other, linear possibilities, unless we're constantly talking about these things, they're not going to know about them. So if I have a technician or a veterinary assistant, that's like, I don't really know where I want to go next. I think the most valuable thing you can do be like, yeah, okay, well, take some time to think about that. Um, Here is a list of just ideas and see which one you feel the most passionate about and think about it in the next couple of weeks. And we'll revisit this conversation in a couple of weeks because in that time, they're going to be like, they're really, you know, oh, I noticed that I really like behavior and, you know, fear free is really important to me. And I want to, I realize that like, I want to do perhaps do fear free because I really, I want to become, you know, a fear free certified professional. The other thing too, is telling them, what they're good at. Andy, you're really good at that. You're really good at telling people, Hey, I noticed that you're really good at this. And so would you ever consider doing, you know, this, or maybe you should talk, say how you do it because you do it so much better. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you for saying that. I, I, I think, I think, I think that that's a good, it's worked well for me is to look at people from the outside because you can see people more clearly than they can see themselves. And we tend to like the things that we're good at. And so if you see somebody who's crushing a thing, you should tell them you crush this thing. And it's amazing to me in my life how many people will be just fantastic at dentistry. Like they'll just be great at it. And you say, well, what do you want to do you want to work on? Where do you want to grow? And they're like, I don't know. And you go, well, I notice you're really good at dentistry. And they're like, really? And I'm like, yeah. 
And I don't know if they, if their self-confidence doesn't let them believe that they're good at dentistry. They needed some random schmo on the outside to tell them that they're good. I don't know. But I have found again and again that when I see somebody and they're just doing something that they're obviously good at, if I just say, hey, you know what I think you're really good at? Not, not of like you have to do this, but I'll tell you what I think you're good at. I see you doing these things. And two things happen. Number one, they get some clarity and they go, well, now that this has been validated, I'm going to own the fact that, yeah, I am good at these things. And the other thing is they rise. They rise to that even more. So if I say, you know, Marie, one of the things that you're really good at is you're you're a wonderful communicator when you give uh, uh, and how you do developmental feedback. Like you'll do more of that in my experience, you know, like you'll be you'll be more ready to do it and more likely to practice and just lean into that skill. And then you really get better at it. And it's just this weird self-fulfilling prophecy when you tell people what they're good at. So thank you for saying that. I, I, I do try to call it out, but I'm always amazed by how powerful it seems to be when you just tell people yeah. what they're what they're good at. You know, I love the idea of just having people sort of pay attention. One of the questions that I ask them that that seems to help a lot is, um, what do you love the most about your job? Just framing it that way. Not what do you want to do, but what do you yeah. love the most? And then I, or I'll ask them like, hey, I want you to think about the last couple of weeks. What was the best day that you had? Like, just just tell me what the best day was or squish the last two or three weeks together and make me an imaginary best day. What does the best day look like for you? And a lot of times they'll tell you what they want to do. And they won't. You say, what do you want to do? They're like, I don't know. Tell me what the best day at the practice looks like. Like, well, I come in and I hit the dentistry table right off the bat. There it is. There it is. I mean, it's just, but it is funny. But, and we all had this, we all had the experiences where someone asks you a question in one way and I got no answer. You ask me another way and I'm like, oh, well, here's the obvious answer. And so we can, it, we kind of play the role of therapist in that way of being like, hey, I'm trying to tease out of you. Like, what do you, what do you like? What makes you happy? What makes you excited to come to work? And, and you pair that with the idea of giving them some time to think about it in the coming days. I think you've really got something. And then you tell them what you think that they're good at and the skills that you are impressed by them. I, I like to use the words to say, you know, what I most admire about you is, or the skills that you have that I try to emulate are, and boy, people really are flattered when you say that. I only say if it's true. Yeah. But, you know, people don't, people aren't used to hearing the things when you say, you know, what I admire about you or what I try to emulate that you do really well is this. That's just, man, that's powerful feedback. And um, you make people feel really seen and really appreciated. And, and again, especially for your tenured people, your your upper level people, like that stuff hits them pretty hard and it gets their attention and it makes them feel like they're doing something that people notice. And so I, I, I those approaches have, have worked well for me. So I, I, I like that stuff a lot. Where do you, so, so I think that's a good way of trying to tease these things out of it and then sort of coach them about where they're going. What do you do, Maria? when we don't get traction, right? We have these conversations and we've got this tenured person and we talk to them and we're doing the 30, 60, 90 follow-up. What does that look like when it's not, when the bar is not moving? I think that that's when you've got to revisit your own policies and protocols on on what uh, the next steps are. And as much as we all hate it as managers, none of us ever wants to let anyone go. I mean, I get that. And there's anxiety in that. 
Uh, but sometimes you do have somebody that may not be the appropriate fit for your clinic. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. You know, maybe their heart is set on becoming an ultrasound specialist and you don't have ultrasound in your yeah. practice. You have to sit down uh with that scenario and really lay it out because at the end of the day, if you do have somebody that's a little too spicy, um, it's going to affect your clinic. It's going to bring down the tone. Your other team members are going to become resentful. How come she never cleans the surgery suite? And we always have to clean the surgery suite. And then you have really key valuable players that may quit just because you're trying to hold on to one player that may have the skills, but may not have the tone that you need for your clinic. So, those become a little bit harder, but I do, it, it's a matter of, of you know, what the disciplinary actions are at your clinic and following through with those. Because if, if you don't, it's just going to continue to affect your clinic, unfortunately. Yeah. No, I think, I think you're right. I think you're smart too. Like you got to, you got to look at the ripple effects. Yeah. Right. It's not, it's not about this. At some point, it's not about the surgery suite not getting cleaned. It's about the fact that the other techs are going to revolt. If yeah. they have to clean up this mess again while this other person refuses to do their part, at some point it becomes uh, this thing about fairness mm-hmm. of this. We're being treated unfair because this person's getting preferential treatment. And it's not about the surgery suite not getting cleaned. It's about I'm being disrespected and I'm being forced to do this. And management is not supporting me and they're allowing this to happen. And so it's much, much, much more than the surgery suite not getting not getting cleaned. It's it's a cultural problem that's that's impacting other members of the team. So a lot of a lot of management is picking your poison, right? How do you want to struggle? How do you want to suffer? Do you want to struggle and suffer putting up with this person who won't clean the surgery suite? Um, or do you want to put up and struggle with uh, not having that person yeah. on board? And I go, well, you know, it depends on how much that person is affecting the rest of the team yep. to to make that to make that 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 decision. And the, the last part, too, is, and this is just hard to hear, but I always got to put it back on the table, is people change, you know, mm-hmm. and, and life comes in phases. And sometimes people are done. You know, sometimes they've, they've done the vet tech thing for 10 years, and they're just kind of done. And maybe, maybe it correlates with them starting a family. Maybe it correlates with their kids going off to school and their life is just sort of changing or like going off to college. I mean, maybe their kids move away. Maybe it's, maybe it doesn't have anything to do with kids, Eddie. Maybe it's, uh, you know, maybe, maybe it's just, um, their, their spouse has a new job and she's wildly fulfilled with the job. And this person is realizing, Hey, I kind of fallen out of love with this and I want to be in love with something. And you can't do much about that. You know, people yeah. just, people just change. And so I try to remind uh, managers and, and leaders and owners that like, sometimes people are going to leave and it's not about you. It's just about, it's about them and what's going on in their lives and, and what they want. And, you know, I, I don't think any of us really think that we're going to make a job that people are going to spend their whole lives in, you know what I mean? And, and if they leave, yeah. it's because we failed them. But man, it feels that way sometimes. And so sometimes yeah. it's just good just to call it out and go, sometimes people outgrow your clinic. Sometimes they outgrow the job that they have. Sometimes they just want to change. And um, that's not failure. But if they've outgrown your clinic and they've checked out, but they're still showing up and cashing a paycheck and they're causing headaches for other people, that's not okay. We're not going to do that. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Cool. Well, I think that's all I got. Have you got anything else to add to this? 
Um, no, I don't think so. Other than I hope we see you all in April. Uh, actually, oh, yeah, we have Practice April Manager Summit coming up. Yeah, talk about the Practice Manager Summit. You're speaking at that. I am speaking. I'm so excited. I have a great workshop lined up for you guys on one-on-ones, which actually leads to this episode really well because we're going to talk about one-on-ones, how to make them work for you and how to make time for them because they can be very, very time-consuming. And I think that a lot of us could be having them more often, uh, but we don't because we're like, where do you find the time? And so I have a yeah. lot of great information for you guys. Um, and I think, you know, that's that's something that you could work with these uh, spicy tenure team members. After all, that's, you know, where we can give a lot of, find out a lot about their development and what they yeah. want from the future. So that's exciting. That's uh, coming up here soon. Yeah, it's uh, March 22nd is the Uncharted Practice Manager Summit is a virtual event. Um, anybody, anybody's welcome to attend, but is 100% targeted at practice managers. Uh, registration is opening up very, very soon. You can find more at unchartedvet.com. All right, cool. So uh, thanks for uh, thanks for running through everything with me, Maria. Um, guys, thanks for tuning in. I hope this was helpful, and we'll see you guys next week. And that is our episode. Guys, I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you got something out of it. Thanks to Maria for being here. Gang, as always, if you got something out of the episode, if you enjoyed it, uh, share with your friends. Help us spread the word. Help us get the uncharted gospel out into the, into the world to light to light people's lives uh or just write us a review on on uh apple or wherever you get your podcast that's also that's also a thing you can do anyway guys enough silliness take care of yourselves i'll talk to you later on